Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Good to be with you today. Hope we're coming through loud and clear. And I know we're going to get a thumbs up real quick this morning from our friends on Facebook and YouTube and on RevMedia.com. First thing I want to do this morning is go to my beloved wife, Patricia Joy Xavier. She's standing by right now in beautiful Bella Vista, Arkansas, where the temperature is soaring at about What is it, darling, six degrees? Right now, yes, six degrees. Strangely enough, my temperature in the house has not gone above 68, though I have it registered on 74. So you have the house temperature at at 74, but it's not climbing above 68? Correct. You know, they were regulating that in Dallas, Texas. Uh, They actually, the electric company, as I understand it, regulated the temperature to 68. I wonder if we can get confirmation on that, Um, you know, how that's working. We heard 14 million. That's 14 million, not 1.4, but 14 million people in the Dallas, uh, you know, in in Texas area, as I understand it, uh, were without power. And those that did have power, they regulated it to 68 degrees. So I wonder if that's what's going on with you and with other people there. So praise God. Um, It's cold. There's no doubt about it. You were about 12 below zero. And uh, this is in Arkansas. This is in the southern states, 12 below zero. In Houston, Texas, 
it was feeling like six degrees. It was about 14 this morning, 14 degrees with snow everywhere in human, uh, in human, in Houston, Texas. So what a strange storm, what a strange winter storm kind of out of nowhere. What are your thoughts about it, Patricia? Well, I believe that this is part of the judgment upon this, this country, this nation, but not only here. I am sure if we look into it, we're going to find it perhaps all over the world. And we need to look at the things that are happening and know that the Lord is bringing certain signs to get us prepared for the time to come. We need this preparation, not only spiritually, but we desperately need it physically also. Many people say, well, you know, God is going to take care of me in that time. I don't have to worry. But the Lord does give us his words of wisdom in Matthew 24, Mark 13. Okay, babe, hold on one second. Babe, hold on one second. Uh, They are not hearing you uh, for some reason, and I'm not sure why they're not hearing you. So uh, we're getting no audio from Patricia, both from uh, Kevin and from Mark. So let's find out why there's no audio for you. Um, That's not good. Let's see if I can get over to a microphone here. And um, let's see. Microphone on. So I'm not sure what the issue is. Uh, Why? Let's see. Get help. Microsoft. One note. All right. So I do apologize. I don't know why that's happening, Patricia Joy. Um, Bummer. Well, whatever the case may be. It's under a winter is what they're saying. So. Okay. I'm going to let you go, darling, and we'll talk in just a little bit. Okay. I'm sorry about that. So uh, what Patricia was saying is that she felt that this strange weather pattern and storms that are coming in right now are a sign of judgment. And I would have to agree because, again, and this is for those of you who study, you know, the, the word well, the word judgment, uh, three Greek words, the crema, the crino, and the crises. And the word crises in the Greek is where we get our English word crises. And so when you see something like this hitting the nation, uh, certainly it is a crisis to a degree. Uh, it was a crisis in the last year during the quote-unquote COVID-19, uh, crises during storms, crises during uh, all these different events. And so surely this is a crisis. And that connected to a judgment. And in every word for judgment, it's always referring to some degree to separation between the wheat and the tares. And yet, you know, it's interesting. In other places in the country, it's 75, it's 80 degrees. Um, And yet I can assure you that there is a very large degree of social instability that is taking place in the outer fringes. There is social instability taking place in the outer fringes of society that are being impacted by the crises. Now, if you're in a place today where there is no crises, everything probably seems pretty stable and pretty normal. But where the crisis comes, uh, it brings a shaking and people and things become unstable. And in the instability, whether it's emotional, 
whether it's physical, whether it is spiritual, whatever the case is mentally, uh, the crisis brings instability to those who are not prepared. And so in unstable times, what is important for God's people always is to remain rooted and grounded in love, to stand upon the rock of the word of God, which means they're not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. They are obedient. So if you are one of those individuals that has been caught into this recent crisis and there's, uh, you know, this storm has affected your life, well, the first area that you want to check is your own soul because everybody talks about preparation, spirit, soul, and body. Your soul is that area of the mind, will, the emotions. And so when the crisis comes, how do you respond to it? How are you responding? Have you gotten yourself into fear? Are you in anxiety? Are you worried? Are you concerned? And if you say no, none of those, well, praise the Lord. That just means that you're building your life upon the rock. But not just major storms like these, the social collapse that has begun and this uh, time of shaking that is now taking place in the nations of the earth and in our own country, I'm telling you that it could spark as quickly as the snap of a finger Things could go south quickly. We believe that this is what God has been telling us. This is what God has been warning us. God has told us about a time where our social structure, our nation, politically, socially, fundamentally, spiritually, is going to be shaken and that we are going to have this instability. And so the whole idea all these years has been to prepare for the social disorder, for the social collapse. And again, as far as there's no crisis around, everything seems to be normal. Yesterday, I was at the airport and I was standing in line to get a vehicle. I spent two hours in that line. And what's so amazing is that what God did with me, because I had this Favor was all over my life, and I thank God for the favor. And so the two hours I spent in line, I met a man from Jersey City, New Jersey, the home where I was born and raised, and I wound up ministering to this man. His name was Hector, and he knew Christ Hospital, Dickinson High School, PS Number 8. He knew Central Avenue, Gino's Pizza, Vinny's Pizza on Kennedy Boulevard. He knew everywhere where I grew up in Jersey City. So we, that opened the door to preaching the gospel. I was able to share with Hector my entire story about my trip up to the Teton Mountains when God was dealing with an issue in my life of a father wound. And it turns out that Hector's father had just died a few months ago. It was not a good relationship. And uh, he allowed me to speak into his life. And, you know, we know that men suffer all over the world. Our prisons are filled mostly because there's a father wound in the heart of so many, and there's been no real training. So my point is, is while we were online for two hours talking, and I just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and Hector's heart was wide open to the discussion, well, a, a man came out, and I can't tell you how many people were on this line. In two hours, it's exhausting, right? Well, this man came out, and he said, listen, if you're on this line right now and you're wanting to make a reservation, forget it. You're not going to get a car. He said, if you made a reservation, 
and you were supposed to pick up the car, say at 12 o'clock, it's now 3.30, you're not going to get a car. You only have three hours. If you're beyond three hours, you're not going to get a car. And, well, people started going, you know, with their raised eyebrows and breath going on and all that. And I was thinking, I just uh, reserved yesterday, and, uh, and yet I had to pick up at four, and it was like five-something um, so I'm within the time frame. So I just kept going and we kept sharing Hector and I, and I shared the gospel with him. It turns out that his mother, Maria, who I want us to all pray for, is a 62-year-old woman. And he said that my mom used to take me to church all the time. She is Pentecostal. And I thought, praise the Lord. She's born again. She knows about the Holy Spirit. She's probably been praying for her son. Uh, his father now passed away. And so we're going to pray she has something going on in her throat in her esophagus. So we're going to ask for a supernatural miracle for Maria. If you would just ask the Lord right now to heal her uh, as a further witness and testimony to her son, Hector of, uh, you know, the healing power of God. So the Lord was strongly knocking on Hector's heart yesterday, but at the same time, a couple is now starting to swear and curse. And the woman just went nuts and started shouting all over the place because they didn't get their car. And I could understand the, the frustration to a degree because it was discombobulated. It was disordered. They were understaffed. There was an overwhelming amount of people there. And so they just, it was a crisis to them. Okay. It was a crisis, a very small crisis, but a rather, rather large crisis to the people that needed their car, needed to get somewhere. And the response of the one couple was, again, the swearing, the cursing, the yelling, telling everybody, get offline, you're not going to get your car. I mean, the frustration just broke out. Well, that's not where you want to be. Another gentleman was trying to, I think it was a military guy, he was being told he wasn't going to get his car, and he says, well, did I get anything? And the lady's saying to him, well, what do you want? We're not, you're not getting anything. And he says, not even some candy? Now, he was messing around, and he started yelling at people. He said, listen, this is not the end of the world, people you know, about a car. So his response to the crises was more lighthearted. You know, he was disappointed. He didn't get his car. He had to, his life was kind of taken in a different place, but he did notice the unrest that was rising and he was trying to deal with that a certain way. I continued to minister the gospel and tell my story to Hector. And finally I got to my place. I got my car and everything is perfect and everything is fine. Uh, we're, what we're doing but the idea is coming out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, where Peter literally says this. Now, you know the apostle Peter. He's with the Lord. He's uh, one of the chosen apostles. He spends quality time with the Lord. He becomes an apostle. He's ministering. He has a congregation. He's writing letters. And, and, and his story is very, very out front to all of us. But here's what he says to his congregation and what I believe he's saying to you and I today, and here's what I mean. He said in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now, I believe when Peter said the end of all things is at hand, what he was referring to is the social order of things, okay? And you know, for the Jewish nation, way back in, when he was writing this, what was it, the 50s, the 60s AD, 
And you know the 70 AD event was coming when Titus and the Roman armies were coming to destroy the temple. Well, it was the end of the world for the Jewish people, the way they'd always known things. It was also a time of their social order being completely not only disrupted, but destroyed. And the scattering of the Jewish people to the ends of the earth. We, we do believe that's true history. And so this social disorder, this dysfunction of our nation, what we're witnessing around the world, we know in the last year that there has been an acceleration of purposes. I believe there's been two particular purposes that God has revealed to us. The purpose of God concerning his people who are connected to the eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. So God always has his eternal purpose. And I'll show you what I mean in the example of Abraham. When Abraham, remember, he fed the angels. They came for a visit. And then God told Abraham he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, where was Abraham? Abraham was on a mountaintop. He was with the Lord. He was serving God. Where was Lot? Lot was down in Sodom and Gomorrah, his righteous soul being vexed every day by the filthy conduct of the wicked. God is now declaring a judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be destroyed. Abraham begins to intercede for his blood, Lot, and he's asking God to bring him out. So God promises he's going to bring out Lot because of the intercession of Abraham, but Sodom and Gomorrah in the morning is completely and totally destroyed. Where is Abraham? He's on a mountaintop. He's connected to the eternal purpose of God. He's moving on in the eternal purpose. The eternal purpose was locked up in his loins, if you will. It was the, it was the call of Christ, right? Because that's where Christ would come out of the loins of Abraham according to the flesh with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, and then on through history. So he's connected to the eternal purpose. He's moving on. And I believe that in this season, God is calling whosoever will, who is connected to his eternal purpose, into covenant. Okay, we're in this new covenant. It is a covenant like Abraham's, Galatians chapter 4. And so your life ought to be connected to the eternal purpose in God. And God is moving you on and into that purpose here on earth and eternally. On, at the other moment, while Abraham is on the mountaintop, connected to the eternal purpose of God, well, there was another thing going on. It was the evil was ramping up in Sodom and Gomorrah. These people were so wicked and so evil that Lot every day was vexed by their conversation, by their lifestyles. But now that the angels had come, an acceleration of evil had taken place. Now they want to go into these angels and they want to rape the angels, I mean, all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah at the door. So there's an exponential rise of evil at the same time Abraham's moving with God in the eternal purpose. And then, of course, we know that this is a time of judgment. And so Lot is supernaturally delivered and judgment hits Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham is continuing on in the eternal purpose. So what we're witnessing in our moment is the social order of things is being shaken. I believe that we're going to see it shake immensely. I believe that there's going to be a complete and total destruction of the social order uh, that we Americans, for example, have always known. And I believe that the shaking of this present order of things is going to lead to the rise 
of a new world order, a new social order. If you're paying attention, you could already hear it on the news. I happened to turn on CNN last night, and it was uh, Cuomo uh, was on there, and he's looking into the camera, and he's got his two friends with him, the talking heads on CNN, and he's talking about the disgusting right that the right conservatives, the Christians, the Trump supporters, that these are the mob and these are the evil, bad people, and we've got to stop them. It was on CNN last night. You should search it out and listen. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was hearing this. I was hearing the social new world order tones that we've been constantly talking about. So when Peter says the end of all things is at hand, I believe that his words are very true right now. The end of all things is at hand. Now, many of us are wanting to live our lives as we've always lived them. You and I who are born again, we know that we've been granted an abundant life. We don't live in fear. And so we're still having the ability to a degree to move about. And yet as we're moving, you could sense the environment changing. And the time will come when we will not be able to move in and out and move freely upon this land. It's going to require capitulation. It's going to require um, getting into some compromise. It is going to require things. And we're going to be tested as to how far we're willing to go. Now, right now, I firmly believe that wherever you are, you're in Christ Jesus. You're connected to an eternal purpose in God. You should be praying seriously. And you should be praying soberly about what God is doing right now, what the next move is. But you still have to get up. You still have to go to work. You're still going to go to the store. You're going to go and live your life the best way you know how to live it. And you know that that's in Christ Jesus. And so you're still going to have to function. And as you function, and regardless, what is your job? I mean, you work for Walmart. You travel all over the world. What do you do? What is your business? What is your job? You still have to do it. So nobody is suggesting at this moment that we run in and we close the door and that's it. However, the message of entering into the chamber, shutting the door, and waiting for the indignation to pass is very viable right now. It's very sober. It's very serious. The time of entering into the ark, shutting the door, very serious. But you know, what God is doing in all these crises is he's testing things. And for example, um, you know, people that thought they were really prepared for just about anything when these major crises comes, it shows that, well, we really weren't prepared. We have things that are not yet in order. This cold weather took people by surprise. And before you know it, 14 million people in Dallas who thought that they were secure, well, they don't have any air heating or they have no power in their homes. That makes for a very critical condition for those people. How are the elderly going to get through a cold, a cold winter's night having no heat? I mean, it's not an easy thing to deal with. So we have pressure applied to everything we've prepared, spirit, soul, body, and then our arcs, if you will. So this little pressure that just came in the storm tested everything. And the question is, how did you do? Did you have everything you needed for the crises? People can't get out of their house. They got to stay home for a few days. There was ice, there is snow, it's freezing cold, you can get frostbite, et cetera, et cetera. Did you have everything you needed to survive? Were you in a position to be able 
to get out because you had the necessary gear you needed to go to help other people if there was a crisis in their lives. See, I believe that God is using everything as a crisis. Now, in the warmer parts of the country where there is no weather crises, there are other crises that are becoming absolutely bizarre. As a matter of fact, walking through the airport again, everything was about masks. And the control about masks is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Sir, you cannot have your nostrils exposed. Ma'am, you cannot file your fingernails on the plane because the particles will get into the air. The constant, very, very few people, I could count on one hand, how many people in the airports I saw not wearing a mask. And the people, you know, there's this concentration against people like that because they're the troublemakers, of course. They're not going along with the program. So everything is changing. In, in where there's not a weather issue, their restaurants are closed, their parks are closed, their schools are closed, people are in fear, people are concerned about COVID, the supercharged next wave to come, what they're telling everybody. And so what we're experiencing is crises or judgment all over the world at the same time. It may not be the same exact judgment, weather over here, maybe a hurricane over here, uh, a, a, um, a massive tornado struck down by Georgia-Florida line last night. That was a crisis for somebody. And so what we believe God is saying is that you're witnessing record-breaking things, historical records being made by these storms. So we're seeing an intensification of the crises. And so this is a time to pray seriously, to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. And every person is going to have to determine for themselves what that means, what that is. And so it cannot be done lightly. You have to be wise, okay? There has to be seriousness. Remember the virgins. There were five wise virgins, and there were ten foolish virgins. And remember, the hardest thing in that parable of the ten virgins was when the five wise virgins had to say to the foolish virgins, I'm not giving you my oil. I'm not sharing with you. It seems to run so contradictory to Christianity. It really does. Because everything we've been taught by Jesus is give and share. And if they ask for your coat, give them your jet, your shirt as well. If they ask you to go a mile, go two. If they turn, you know, you, we know what we're told. We're told to take care of one another, be concerned for one another. And I believe that the five wise virgins, that camp, they will take care of each other because each of them have done their part to be part of that five virgin remnant, if you will, the others are going to go into a crisis. They're going to be asking people for their stuff because they don't have it because they never prepared for one reason or another. And, and I'm not talking about people that are without means because people that have means take care of people without means, but those people without physical means spiritually are connected to the purpose of God. I believe that. 
But I'm talking about what happens to the 50% that are told to go and buy from the dealers, crises, turmoil, anxiety, hurry, worry. What people found out in this latest storm is that in Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, just in this region, they couldn't find a little space heater, just something to put next to the pipes. They were sold out. That's what normally happens in a crisis, whether it's a hurricane or, or a major storm like this. Generators sell out, the heat sells out, and we were tested. And we have to ask ourselves, how did we do in our test? How is your home today? How is the environment in your home today? It's a really good question. How is the environment of your heart? How is the environment of your mind? How are you emotionally? How are you thinking? How are you? And praise God, you answer the question honestly for yourself. And you got to ask yourself, am I, am I criticizing others? Am I, am I, you know, where is my heart at? It's a big question because it's a big test. And so <clears throat> the end of all things is at hand. Simply means that the end of the social order is, is going away and something else is rising. And all these storms and all these different crises that are coming are all being utilized to assist in the purpose of two different purposes accelerating in the purpose of the enemy of the demonic in the darkness Obviously, they have a desire for a one-world government. They have a desire to get rid of Christianity, Jesus Christ, the Bible. They don't want Christians. They don't want conservatives. They don't want Trump. They don't want Trump supporters because a Trump supporter represents a conservative Christian that has a biblical worldview and believes we're in the last days. Those are bad people. They don't want those people on the planet. So we're preparing for the crises. And if we had been listening all along for years, then we would have been preparing all along for years. The crisis is coming on the whole earth. There will be those who are in the ark. Nonetheless, the crisis is all around them. There will be those who enter into their chamber and shut the door but there will be indignation all around them. So there's no escaping the reality that the coming crisis is going to be global. It's in China right now. It's in Nigeria right now, where it's genocide right now in Nigeria for the mass murder of Christians, men, women, and children. There's a crisis growing in the Middle East. There's a crisis in Europe. There's a crisis in North America, South America, the islands of the sea. Something has happened, and we all get that. But we have to understand that out of this moment is going to arise two things. People that are connected to God's spirit are going to move on like Abraham. People that are connected in the world and under the shroud of the, the deception are going to move on in the deception and the destruction. 
So tough times. They really genuinely are rough. This isn't made up. I know what we want to do is live a normal life. But we're being told from every direction, life will never be normal again. They talk, I talked to you on Friday about the new pestilences that are rising, the new Ebola cases in the Congo and in uh, Tanzania and how they're monitoring that right now. Or the, the super COVID that started in Europe that now they found some cases here in the United States. The concern of a super virus that will kill tens of millions of people. And I know people say, well, it doesn't bother me. I'm not worried about it. I'm not concerned. I saw in the crises how people are going to react. And you see it all the time. If you ever want to know what's really in your heart, ask God to bring a crisis into your life. And how you respond to the crises determines where we really are. And we have to ask ourselves, where am I really? I don't care about titles. I don't care about any of that stuff. I want to know, is my heart for real? Can I handle what's coming down the pike? Am I ready to, to, to handle the level of hatred that Jesus talked about? And I'd like to just go into that just a little further because these are the things we need to be ready for. And I know you've heard it so many thousands of times, but let's read it one more time. Out of my Gideon Bible, praise God. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple. Lord, look at these wonderful buildings. Look at all that this is here. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Let's put that into modern terms just for a moment. The social order you see today, the economic order, all these different systems within the order of things today, not one stone will be left upon another by the time this is done. And they probably thought to themselves as they were looking at those massive stones of the temple, they are massive. How is that going to happen? I mean, these stones are so beautiful right now. The temple looks beautiful. Everything looks normal and stable. It looks impenetrable. It looks immovable. How could, what are you talking about? I mean, I've talked to congressmen who, who I've warned about the days that we're in, getting into right now that told me, now nah, I trust the system. And the system in America runs so deep because of the connection with Great Britain. I can't wait to start sharing with you about just a little bit about how these secret societies are really working in every level. And when Donald Trump was talking about the deep state and the swamp, Man, was he talking about some incredible stuff. But here Jesus is saying, not one stone upon another. In other words, the entire social order of this present day is going to disappear. And you have to know that's true. The way you buy, the way you sell, the way you live, it's all going to change. The entire social order in the earth is going to change. God would have his people preparing an ark, getting ready, understanding, knowing the time will come. I'm glad I'm exactly where I'm at right now. I had an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody absolutely purposed by the Lord. 
I'm so glad about that. The time is going to come that there will not be an economic system to depend on like we depend on it today. And I'm sure that there are some people that will raise the eyebrow the same way that they did when 16 months ago I told them that Joe Biden is going to win the election because God gave a prophetic dream. But nonetheless, it came to pass. And this, too, is going to happen. We are not going to be able to deal economically as we have always dealt economically, whatever that means. We don't even know if cash is going to be usable. The Weimar Republic in Germany proves to us that you could have wheelbarrows of cash that had no value. Or go to Zimbabwe. You can get a 50 or $100 trillion note. It's worth nothing. So the social economic order is going to disappear. And if you're working and laboring to put your money in the bank and you're doing like normal, and you, of course, you always want normal. We all want it to stay normal, at least in our lifetimes. Then we have to consider then passing this down to our children or maybe even our grandchildren. You wonder how long till the social order of things is going to be destroyed. And there are a lot of people that are trying to prop it up and keep it up and build it up. And there are many people, and that's the daubing of the wall with whitewash. Remember, the wall was completely cracked, and all they did was put whitewash on it to hide the cracks, but they never took care of the cracks. We're talking $32 trillion of debt now in our, con- in our country, $32 trillion. The, the, the cracks are showing up everywhere in our political order of things our economic order of things, our social order of things, you're witnessing the cracks, the divide. House divided cannot stand. The cracks of this division are there, but what people are doing is they're covering it over with whitewash. And we just don't know what day the crack is going to actually split. Nobody knows that day. But we've been told and we've been shown the cracks and so we were told to come out of her and prepare. And, and that's what we're thinking now. Well, have I prepared well enough? If I cannot go to the store and buy, if I cannot go down on eBay and sell, if I, if I can't move in an order, what is going to happen? What is the new economy going to bring? Well, you know, before any new order comes, there has to be a shaking and a collapse of the old order. Okay. Germany had to go through a total social collapse of everything they knew before their order rose. And so it is everywhere in the world, and so shall it be in the last days. So the cracks in the wall have appeared. Men are whitewashing them, even in the church. They don't want to talk about it. They talk about ideas. And Jesus is saying, again, Not one stone will be left upon another. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age? Three questions by four disciples, and Jesus is about to answer the question. Definitely, they were considering their dispensation of time. I have no problem with that, no doubt about it. When is this all going to end? But they do ask, 
When will this be that there won't be one stone left upon another in our temple? When will you come? When are you going to come? And what will be the end of the age? What age? The church age? The age of grace? The dispensation of grace? What age? The age of the Jewish life? Well, we need to study that out and get a true answer. But obviously, everything that this Bible talks about, when we look through the Bible at, at the world, you have a biblical lens of the world events, everything that's been written back then is alive right now today. But the big question is, Lord, when are you coming again? When are you coming? So obviously, I believe this prophecy that Jesus is about to share extends beyond their moment into the very end of time until he does come, because they're talking about his coming. So in verse 4, Jesus said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. And it's very simple today to just simply say deception is running rampant all over the world. The days of trusting the news commentator, the days of trusting, you know, anybody are coming to an end. Deception is everywhere. And it may not be intended. It may be very unintended. And yet people just share things and speak things and talk about things that aren't really true. They're either speaking out of their own imagination or they're just plagiarizing what somebody else said and they're just repeating information, et cetera, et cetera. So Jesus warned his disciples then and he's warning his disciples now, don't let anybody deceive you. In other words, get ready. There's something's going to be happening and there's going to be a lot of deception, but don't you be deceived. When you see the cracks in the wall, and somebody whitewashes them, and all you can now see is the whitewash, remember what you saw. Remember the cracks in the wall. They're still there. The whitewash did not fix them. And what we're living in is a whitewashed reality right now. And the whitewashed reality, we're all looking you know, at, at, at different ways and how to get things accomplished. It's all a facade. It is all a facade. I have no problem saying that. I believe it's true. And what does that mean? It means nothing they're saying has any weight to it. There's no substance to it. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. That's really unfortunate that anybody on this earth would actually believe some man would come and say, I'm Christ, and then they would believe it. I mean, that's, that's crazy. But there are people that come in the name of the Lord, and they say, I'm anointed. Christ means the anointed, charis, right? And they follow that anointing, quote unquote. But that anointing does not lead them into the truth. That anointing leads them into different directions, never really dealing with the cracks that are showing up, maybe in their own lives, rather, you know, not just the world around us. But there's going to be great deception, anyways. Jesus talks about this, number one. Then he said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. If we are accurate in the prophecy that we gave back in March or April in 2020, then we believe that war is on the horizon. We knew the coronavirus was the first wave. We knew that social and uh, uh, disobedience or anarchy, that was the second wave. We now know that the third wave and you'll start hearing rumors of wars, and you'll start hearing of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. All right, so a lot of deception, 
We hear of wars. We hear rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. Know it's coming. You've seen the cracks. You've seen the cracks in the, the global order of things among nations. Okay, it's all there. It's not healed. It's not whole. Therefore, those cracks, how deep are those cracks, depends on when the split will come, the collapse will come of the wall. And then he said, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. All right, so we're beginning to see that right in our own country. You may say, well, it's not a nation against a nation or a kingdom against kingdom. No, it's the right against the left. There's a rise of the left against the right. So you have this crack that's a huge crack in our, in our nation, and that is going to provide for the collapse. But you see the rising, but also around the world. The United Nations, military powers, it's all, it's all there. Everything is there. Nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, Islamic kingdom against uh, Judaism or Christianity. It's all rising. I don't think we have a problem with that. And then he says, and there will be famines. And we know that there are famines in the world. We know that famine exists all over the world. Just look at the World Health Organization. They give you some factual information about famines. We've done it before. And there are billions of people in this world that don't have enough. Billions don't have enough. My friend Rich Agazzino from Crosstalk in Los Angeles, California, and radio, he said one day that if you have a home, clothes in the closet, you could throw some change on your dresser at night, a few bucks in the bank and could pay your bills and you have food in your refrigerator, you are among the 7% of the wealthiest people on the planet. The other 93% of the people on the planet do not have what you have. And we never think of that. We don't understand that. We've been, we've been kind of spoiled through the abundance, okay? But just know that if you have those things, you're part of a 7% of the richest people on the face of the earth. Maybe not the trillionaires or the billionaires or the millionaires, but your needs are met and you have a little extra. But there will be famines, and there's more famine on the way. You know that. I know that. He said pestilences. Well, obviously, we've had a global pestilence. Others are saying that there's more to come. There's a lot more pestilence that's going to kill tens of millions. Now, they put out the reports about all the people that died of COVID-19, and many people think it's a hoax, still believe it's a hoax. It's a political tool. It's a lie, and people have lived right through it, never wore a mask, never shut down. They went right through it. They didn't die. But the, the real virus within that context of a plague or a pestilence was the fear and they utilize that to enslave the people. They have now people wearing masks everywhere. And I wonder if George Floyd, when he was yelling, I can't breathe. And now what we're witnessing is kind of a retribution against the nations, putting them in masks because I can't, I can't breathe when I wear a mask, man. I just can't do it. And so there's this thing going on. Something's happening, but there's pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Well, somebody says, well, these things have been happening since the beginning of the world. And there's no doubt about that, but you have to beware because 2 Peter chapter 3 says 
that's what the scoffers and the mockers will say in the last days, having all these things happen since the beginning of time. But they are ignorant about a few things. And to say all these things have always been may be a little bit short-sighted and ignorant because the intensification of the things that we have seen in our generation and the acceleration of them. In other words, it's not just a, an, an intensification of an event that happens way over there. It's happening all over the world at the same time. We believe this. There are economies that are broken. There are people at war. There are people that are suffering from famine and pestilence and disease. There are natural disasters and fires and all kinds of things all over the world at the same time at a very intense level. Okay? So we have no problem with that. The only problem now is that Jesus in verse 8 says some of the most amazing things here. And this is one of the most profound verses in the Bible, in my opinion, when it comes to end-time Bible prophecy. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. So everything that's going on that we're talking about right now that Jesus told his generation about, and because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's talking to our generation about it. They asked him, when will these things be? What is the sign of your coming and the end of the world? The Lord has never returned. He's going to return. And these events are going to accompany his return. So then he goes into verse 8 and says, all this is just the beginning of sorrow. So whatever generation comes that experiences all these things globally, it has to be global, all over the world, in a general way, as the beginning of sorrows. He said, folks, this is just the beginning of what is to come. Now, he's talking in general to the whole world of, of things. He's talking about earthquakes in different parts of the world, pestilences, famines, wars, rumors of wars, all over the world. But then he specifies, he, he takes his laser beam, and he looks directly into the eyes of his disciples. And then in verse 9, he uses that four-letter word, then. Then. So, the beginning of sorrows, we should be paying very close attention to what they are, how they are, because a then is coming. Then means, okay, from this, we're going to go to this, and then is what's going to lead us. What's the then? Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Now he's focusing, he's telling the disciples of the generation that will come to the fulfillment of this prophecy, the disciples of Christ are going to be delivered up to tribulation. They shall deliver you up and kill you. Now, what I witness on CNN, what I hear in the left in the impeachment process, what I hear about all those newscasters calling Trump supporters maggots, and you know, you've heard it. I don't even want to repeat it again. You could see that if they have the power, what they want to do with the power, then they will deliver you up to persecution, to tribulation, and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. How could that happen right now? How could it be that you, little old you, little old me, could be hated by all the nations of the earth? Could it be when we're walking around, going shopping, maybe we're not wearing a mask because we don't want to capitulate 
Maybe we haven't taken a mark. Maybe maybe uh, we're still bearing light, and the darkness comprehends the light. They see it, and they and they they hate the they hate the light. How is it that they're going to be hated by all nations? Well, because we're living in the time of the United Nations. It came to power within our generation. Okay. If you, if you count 70 years as a generation, then 80 if by power. The United Nations, coming out of World War II, is formed. Israel becomes a nation, 1948. That's within the 80-year deal again. Talking about the book of Psalms. It's given unto man 70 years, 80 if by power. So in this 80-year moment, you have the United Nations. You have Israel becoming a nation. Then he says... After being hated by all nations, this is the, you know, this is the Tower of Babel moment. This is the time where Genesis chapter 10 and 11, where they started to build and everything fell apart. Well, they tried to build throughout the centuries and the millennia, and they did get to one world empires like Egypt. They got to one world empires like Babylon, Assyria, Medo-Persian, Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire. And they had their time, but we're talking now about a global one world government through technology and all the different ologies that they have out there to control the world. I told you on Friday about the surveillance, the big brother, the phone in the hand, everything, the microchips, everything that is taking place in our world through artificial intelligence, the building of a, uh, of a super military power with the Chinese and different countries around the world. So something's happening in our generation that has never happened before. It has in type and shadow as a glimmer, as a shimmer, but it never really manifested like it's manifesting now and is going to in the very short few days ahead. And again, Jesus tells this for a reason, not to put fear in us. He just tells us you're going to be delivered up to persecution and tribulation. In other words, they're going to throw you in jail. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to accuse you falsely. They're going to, all these things are going to start happening to Christians, the disciples of Christ, I should say, the true followers of Christ. You're going to be hated. Nobody's going to love your message. And they're going to kill you. For what? For my name's sake. Because you're not going to surrender the name of Jesus Christ. You're not going to give it up. You're going to continue, and for his name's sake, you're going to obey him, and because you're going to obey him, <laughs> you're going to suffer for it. And that might be as simple as, I'm not putting on a mask, or whatever. could be a hundred different things. But then Jesus said, because of the environment, now look what he did, okay? Just, just logically look at this. He talks about all the beginning of sorrows, the global events in general that are going to be happening around the world. Then he specifically talks about the persecution coming against the believers. And then in verse 10, he says, and then many will be offended. What, who? Not the world. It's because of the persecution. It's because of the tribulation. It's because of the being hated of all nations. Because Christians will be killed. Many are going to get offended. And the offense is the trap. To the eternal soul, okay? So many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. 
In other words, the environment that will be pressed upon the nations of the earth all over the world, Christian disciples all over the world, from nation to nation, under that one world government is going to cause many, that pressure is going to expose a weakness that was never dealt with. And rather than yielding and submitting like the, the Lamb of God, being prepared for the slaughter, rather than now people are going to be protecting and they're going to start getting offended. And because they're offended, they're going to betray and they're going to hate their own brothers and sisters who they once walked in sweet fellowship with. Powerful. Powerful thoughts. And then he said, then at the time of persecution and tribulation, bearing down globally around the world, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. I happen to believe, my, my clearest understanding about this, is that if you have Christians or disciples that are betraying others and have come to hate others, they still are going to believe they're Christians. And the false prophets are going to be telling them they're still saved by grace. They're going to gather them together in churches. They're not going to be a threat to the new world order. They're already under the demonic blind or the spell. And so they're going to go on into church. They're going to have special pastors preparing, teaching them about submitting and yielding and, you know, Romans 13. And it's going to, but their hearts are going to be offended and their hearts are going to have hatred against those Christians that think they're so righteous. Right? Going to call them holier than thou or everything else. Now, the false prophets are going to deceive them. And they're going to bring them into a belief that while they're doing all this, it's good to turn in your brothers and sisters. They're bad. They're going to have mind control conditioning. They're going to say that the righteous are the rebellious. I mean, it's all going to turn in that direction. This is what Jesus said. And then he said, and because lawlessness will abound, because the lawless one is coming, right? And so lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. You just saw lawlessness through a flawed, fraud election, a rigged election. It's been rigged a long time. I'm pretty sure they've been cheating for a long time. But it brought the exposure to it now, the obvious. And so lawlessness, we didn't see justice in our courts over this lawless election process. We saw corruption. We saw lies. And you're going to see a lot more lawlessness abound. And that lawlessness, the promotion of homosexuality, the promotion of lesbianism, the promotion of sexuality, no restraint, the promotion of blasphemy. Folks, there's things going on on your television set today that are so blasphemous. And yet he said, because lawlessness will abound. You know what you and I can expect? Not moral righteousness to come back to our land. That's not what Jesus said was going to happen. Jesus said that an immoral blasphemy and lawless spirit is going to hit this earth. And before you know it, there are going to be things practiced before the eyes of the world that at one time would have been against the law. Like homosexuality, you used to go to prison for that. Not anymore. There were lots of illegal things like the shedding of innocent blood and et cetera, et cetera. So 
the part here, though, is not that lawlessness will abound. The, the crisis is that the love of many will wax cold. And I can't think of anything more critical as a minister of the gospel than to attempt at least to warn God's kids, three fingers pointing back at myself, to keep ourselves in the love of God, to stay in the love of Christ. We know that events are coming that is going to wax love cold. I don't want that to happen to me. Lovelessness is like abandonment of your own soul. When love waxes cold and there's, you're only living selfishly, only for self, when life becomes that way, it becomes empty. It is so damning to not have love for God and love for neighbor. And so we have to know that there are events coming that many people's love is going to wax cold. Why some people's don't? And why some people's do probably has to do with how they've prepared. And you can look at your life now and ask yourself, am I a servant or am I to be served? Am I a servant? What is my mentality? Am I selfless or am I selfish? I was witnessing, and I'm just going to say this for Patricia's birthday, my wife, my beloved wife, Patricia Joy, how many people stood up at her birthday last Saturday and just talked about her unselfish giving, her selfless serving, her care and concern. And after 25 or so people stood up and spoke, all I wanted to stand up and say, it's all true. Patricia has been a servant, and I am confident in the last days her love is not going to wax cold. I believe that she has paid the price to walk with the Lord. And I have to ask myself, well, what about me? Am I as selfless? Do I serve as much? Do I care about others? Am I more concerned about their own lives and well-being than my own? I have to ask the question. You know, and, and, and it's easy to justify things. That snowstorm came in and I thought, well, maybe the best thing to do is get a hotel or come to our house, stay downstairs, take a shower. And people made their choices and decisions, but did we do enough? And it's always going to be that way. We have to judge ourselves this way. Well, in verse 13, Jesus said this, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. The end of what? You have to live the end of your life. But specifically, the Lord's talking about the end of this time of tribulation. He's talking about this time of great distress, commotion, turmoil, unstable times. The time of shaking, crises, tribulation, persecution. And again, in America, it's hard for us to understand. But if you're in Nigeria, you kind of get it. If you lived as a Christian in Syria in the last 20 years, you kind of get it. If you lived in the underground of China, you kind of get it. If you lived as a Christian in Iran or in the Middle East, you kind of get it. But in America, we don't get it. But we're starting to hear it, kind of sense the tones Verse 14, Jesus said, this gospel kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. 
they say there's a 1040 window. It was a little sliver of a, of a space where the gospel had not been preached in the last 20 years. They call it the 1040 window. The gospel through technology is being spoken. Uh, missionaries around the world are going everywhere around the world. If you've ever gotten bored with your life and you don't know what to do as a Christian, why don't you become a missionary? Why don't you sell everything you have, get yourself a little bag, get on an airplane, pick a country by the Holy Spirit, and go be a missionary. Find missionaries. Go do something with your life that you could pour yourself into and pour yourself out of. But nothing ends until this gospel is preached. And then Jesus said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, because here's what's going to happen at the end of this whole thing, the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, what is the abomination of desolation? The abomination of desolation is Lucifer, the spirit of Lucifer, stepping into the holy place, standing in the temple of God, the man-made temple of God. I believe that's my understanding at this point. I've had the spiritual you know, understanding of it as well, but I believe that the temple will be built in the Middle East and the Jewish people will go about their temple service in the Old Covenant fashion, but it's not worth anything. It's only an act of rebellion against God, ultimately, because they're denying the sacrifice. They're going to be sacrificing animals. It's a rejection. And that part of that judgment is going to be the Antichrist stepping into that Holy of Holies, probably the spirit of Lucifer with an Islamic physical expression. And I do want to apologize. I see my friends are calling in right now on Blog Talk Radio. I had Patricia. Nobody could hear her. And so I'm sorry I cannot take your comments um, on, on Blog Talk today because of where I'm at. I could try. I could hear you clearly, but I don't know if anybody else will be able to hear. So um, let's give it a shot. Let me just uh, throw this out there. I'm going to go to area code 605-212 and say good morning to you guys. And I'm going to ask everybody on Facebook or YouTube would you please let me know if you can hear our caller? Good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hello, area code 605. You're on the air. Oh, I can't hear. I hear you guys. And she can't hear me. Okay. All right. So I do apologize. Um, for whatever reason, I can't get the call. So let's go on. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. And I believe 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is a direct connect to this and Revelation chapter 11. Then here's what he says, when that happens. Okay, so a couple of things to be looking for. The signs of the times, the beginning of sorrows. They're all around us right now. A temple possibly being built in Jerusalem. Man, when that goes up, you talk about the centerpiece of time. If there is a temple built, which they say it's ready to go, it's been ready for years. But the, the outrage it will spark around the Islamic world and around the world would be, they got to be ready for that, right? 
So when this happens, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, in 70 AD, there was a temple. In 70 AD, the neighboring nations of Israel were under the control of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was released because of the rebellion of the Jewish people. And Titus came in to sack it, but he didn't come from all the way from Rome. He used the military power, the proxy militaries of the half-brothers of Israel. Okay? What we would call today the Islamic world, the Arabs, the, uh, the Ishmaelites. And when they gathered that military power and they went into Jerusalem and they sacked it after seven months, I think, of people eating shoe leather, boiling their babies, starving to death, sickness, disease, a lot of everything Jesus said took place in 70 AD. But then the armies came in, they went into the temple, and I believe they set a pig in the Holy of Holies on the altar. And then the pure hatred of the Ishmaelites and the Arabs that were under the control. They were the proxy military power. I learned this from Joel Richardson. He's the one that taught this, and I think he's absolutely right. They burned that thing to the ground. The instructions from Rome was don't burn the temple. Leave the temple. But they couldn't. They burned it to the ground because of their enmity and hostility. Now, is it going to happen again? Is this going to happen again? Well, you know a lot of prophecy is dual prophecy. You read the book of Jeremiah, it's dual. It's the dual prophecy, because then you read in the book of Revelation about Babylon. Well, in Jeremiah, it was all about the destruction of Babylon, and it happened. It shows up again. You can read Jeremiah and know exactly what's going to happen to Babylon in the last days. So it's a dual prophecy. No doubt about that. I have no problem with that. I don't need that to, you know, to undergird something. I just believe this Bible is alive. This message is alive. This book is real. So when you see these things come to pass, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now comes the time where the church is fleeing. We're not in Jerusalem today. So where do we flee? Well, we believe that God's Holy Spirit has been warning people throughout the earth, prepare your ark. Find a place. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Find where God wants you to be. Prepare that place with food and water, just like Noah did. He built an ark, made it a safe place. He had food and water, and he took everything necessary for the journey through the storm. And we have to be ready for a three-and-a-half to five-year wilderness journey. And we have to understand that wherever God has called us to be is where we're going to go. And if it doesn't work out, we're in trouble. But it should be a Goshen. It should be under a supernatural protection of God. It should have food and water and shelter and clothing and heat and air conditioning or whatever is needed to go through those days. Well, for these people, it was the mountains of Judea. Their tribulation wasn't as long as what the Bible promises in the last days. In the last days, we're told three and a half years. But notice Jesus tells in this uh, so far, he tells them they're going to be hated. They're going to killed. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to flee to the mountains. Not one time does Jesus Christ ever mention there's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. 
one of the greatest deceptions being preached in the world today is the pre-tribulational rapture doctrine. You're not seeing one word of it in Matthew 24. You won't. You're not going to see one word of it in Mark 13. It's not there. You won't see it in Luke chapter 21. You will not find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It doesn't exist, a pre-tribulational rapture. You won't find it in 1 Corinthians 15. You won't find it in the book of Revelation. And if your best guess is Revelation 4, John was taken up, and that's the rapture of the church, what a bad guess. It doesn't exist. The master teacher is answering the question of the disciples throughout the ages who want to know when these things will be. When will you return? It's a sign of your coming, Lord, and the end of the world. He's answering it. He says also in verse 17, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. That's if they're fleeing. Let him who is in the field not go back to his clothes. That means they're fleeing. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Woe to pregnant moms. Woe to nursing mothers in those days. What days? The days he's talking about. And then he says something. Now, I want you to really pay attention to this in light of the storm that's hit our nation right now. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on Sabbath. Can you imagine having to flee right now out of your home? If you're in the middle of the storm that's hitting and you're listening to this right now, can you imagine having to flee to a safe place right now? Be almost impossible for most. And pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath day because you're unprepared. Military powers can navigate through this storm right now. Military powers could lock down cities right now. Military powers can control neighborhoods and downtown areas of cities right now. They can do it. And people will awake and the snow will go away, and the sun will come out, and they'll wake up to something they've never dreamed. They're stuck. And Jesus is saying, pray that your time of going out isn't going to be in the winter or on the Sabbath day. And then he said, for there, for then, there will be great tribulation. And you know, if there's one earmark to this ministry in the last 20 years. It's simply that, the great tribulation. I've been trying to warn myself and people, keep us alert and alive, along with some others that talk about the events going on, but what it really is, what are all these events going on? What is all this knowledge about? It's about the greatest tribulation to have ever hit the face of the earth, one that has never been before and will never be again. Listen to what Jesus said. For then, verse 21, there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time that he's talking about, no, nor ever shall be. 
So you have to ask yourself some questions. And I like to go back to Daniel chapter 12 in just a little bit and put this in context with Daniel 12, when Michael, the archangel, will stand up and there'll be a time of trouble that has never been since the beginning of the world. And then it talks about the resurrection of them who died, some to life and some to damnation. You got to, that's huge to our understanding. The resurrection happens at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, was 70 AD the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth? Well, has there been anything like it since? How about six million Jews incinerated in the concentration camps of Germany? How about 25 million people killed? How about the pastors that were arrested and sent to prison and then to concentration camps because they would not go along with the Nazi regime and the Catholic Church that sided with it? Much of it did. There's going to be a religious order that comes side by side with the beast government. You can read that in Revelation 13. It's very clear. Whether it's the Catholic Church with the, with the, with the government of Rome, or whether it's the Islamic religious sector side by side with the Islamic governmental way of life. Whatever it is, it's coming. And then it says, there'll be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. There's a war described in Revelation chapter 9 that takes out 1.5 billion people die in that war. We have not seen the tribulation that Jesus was talking about. It hasn't been here already. It hasn't come and gone. If it had come and gone and it was never to show up, then nothing we're reading has any value. We're just simply in the millennial reign of Christ. Do you believe that? This world is the millennial reign? This is it? This is Christ ruling the world with 90 million babies being murdered? Men marrying men, women marrying women? I mean, this is the millennium? Nigerian Christians being murdered? That's the millennium? The Inquisitions, the Reformation, the Dark Age? I mean, World War I, World War II, that's the millennium? That's not the millennium. God forbid that would ever be the millennium. So the greatest tribulation is about to come in the global new world order of things because the world has never been where it is today, especially in light of Israel becoming a nation. And we have so many other signs in the sun, moon, and stars. But Jesus says this, And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Now, I personally don't believe he's going to take a 24-hour day and make it a 20-hour day. I believe that he shortened the days, and he tells us 1,260 days. 42 months. They all equal three and a half years. Those 1,260 days, 42 months, three and a half years is the exact same time. 
So he's shortening this time of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth to three and one half years. That's what you and I have to get ready to endure. The great tribulation. Every conversation you're going to listen to on YouTube, every conversation you're going to hear at any platform anywhere in the world, always remember one thing, no matter what you're hearing, it's all going towards the great tribulation. Jesus Christ himself called it the great tribulation. Everything is getting us as we're moving towards it. We're advanced towards the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. Do we see the cracks in the walls or are we seeing the whitewash? Are we being deceived by the whitewash? Or do we remember, I saw a crack there and that whitewash didn't fix the crack. And the cracks are deepening everywhere because of the times that we're living in. We are in the last times, the end of time as we know it on this earth. We're there. We want it to be normal. We want things to go on. We want to go to work. We want to eat a meal. We want to go to a restaurant. We want to travel. We want to enjoy life. It's coming to an end. The, 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 the time, the thing where the sand drops through it, it's got a few little grains left. And nobody knows when it's going to be that last Jesus said this. He said, if these days were not shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Why will no flesh be saved? Because the demonic that is behind everything, the Luciferian, satanic, beast, dragon, mystery, Babylon, all of that, you know what it is? It's satanic spirit. And it wants to devour all flesh. It wants to kill everything made in the image and likeness of God. Even the sinners that are being used, even the politicians that are under the spell that worship it, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they don't know they're worshiping. Stupid. But they're going to be just as hated and they're going to be destroyed forever. And if God didn't shorten these days on this earth, nobody would survive it. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Three and a half years. Can you endure to the end of the three and a half years? Are you ready? Are you preparing? Are you and I really preparing to deal with this? The only thing that we could possibly say right now, in light of what the Bible says, because everything it says is happening, is either deny it, it's not going to happen, it's not the time. But is that wisdom? In light of what we're seeing in the world and what we're looking through in Scripture, it's not wise. And then Jesus said, there in verse 23, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. People are going to be looking for hope. People are going to be moving wherever there's hope. He's over here. He's over there. He said, don't you believe it. And why? For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. 
Now, Revelation 13 tells us about a second beast that shows signs and wonders to deceive the whole world. Don't you believe it? You're about to enter into a time of tribulation, and you don't come out until what's gonna, what I'm going to read here in just a second happens. We're getting ready to go into the wilderness, Revelation chapter 12, into the mountains, into the ark, into Goshen, into the city of refuge. Where is that? How is it going to endure? Well, the enemy has three and a half years. Three and a half years to make sure that we have gone to the place that God has prepared. Remember in the wilderness, in Revelation 12, they're taken to a place that God has prepared. And they'll be nourished for three and one half years. Where is that? Where's the prepared place? You have to know. No pre-tribulational rapture, no disappearing act. This isn't intended to put fear. It's to prepare. Then, if the very elect of God could be deceived, it just means, man, the atmosphere is going to be charged with satanic. You talk about spiritual warfare, putting on the full armor of God. Right now, verse 25 Listen to these words. These are very profound words. See, I have told you beforehand. The chapter begins with four disciples asking three questions. When will these things be? The sign of coming and the end of the world. Mark chapter 13 tells you who the four disciples are. And so now Jesus just told them. And now he's looking at them. He's just describing the entire future of the world. He said, now, see, I've told you beforehand. You've been told. You have been told what shall be in the days ahead. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. It's really like the Lord is saying, stay put. Stay put. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now he's answering their second question. What will be the sign of your coming? There was no sign of his coming in 70 A.D. or in 73 and a half A.D. That didn't happen. So now he's answering the, uh, the second question, the sign of your coming. It'll be like lightning that comes from the east to the west. In other words, you're going to know when I come. The whole world is going to know. And I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture here, how everybody is going to know. It's not going to be some secret thing. The, 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 the pre-trib doctrine is all about secret raptures and secret disappearing acts and secret comings of the Lord. No, there's no secret to his coming. He says in verse 28, for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. What does that mean? The best understanding I have to that is that when all these signs begin to show up, that's where the eagles are. 
In other words, these, these are the signs of the times. They're all beginning to take place. It's like swarming vultures, swarming over the prey. This is the time. And how could we deny that the vultures are flying? My God. But now comes the answer to a million questions. Verse 29. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, which will be three and a half years, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He doesn't make landfall. He stays in the clouds. You'll see. But they see him coming in the clouds, and he will send his angels from the clouds in the heavens with a great sound of a trumpet. They will gather together his elect from the four winds of the one end of heaven to the other. But also, we know in 1 Thessalonians, when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise. 1 Corinthians, the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise. Then he gathers together all of his people from the ends of the earth. The dead will go first. Those alive and remaining will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's very clear what Jesus Christ is telling us. I'm simply running out of time. I'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing, right back on the air. Consider what you've heard today. No, we want normal. I know we desire life to be usual. Enjoy every benefit you have right now. Enjoy the people that you're with. Enjoy the blessings that you have. Share them. Share your blessings with people. Help those who are less fortunate. Make sure that people are met. Take care of people, give, be pleasant, do it as unto the Lord, behave yourself, treat others well, treat yourself well, You're the, 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 the godly part that God's given you. In other words, love yourself, stop beating yourself up for your past, be free, get cleansed, be washed, honor the Lord, honor the brethren, honor the fact that God bought you and sees you as his own. I, I, I'm so sorry I had to rush through those last few verses. I'm going to pick it up tomorrow. I'm going to start in verse 29 because I want to go from verse 29 in Matthew 24. I want to look at 1 Thessalonians 4. I want to look at 1 Corinthians 15. I want to look at 2 Thessalonians Two, I want to look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. I want to look and show you that the pre-tribulational rapture doctrine is to disarm people and get them in a false sense of security. We have to deal with that. We need to, if we're going to be secure, if we're going to be secure, why not have the real deal? Yeah, so it's all coming. I don't need a false security of a pre-trib rapture doctrine to make me safe. That's not the truth. It's false security. No, I'm going to stand behind the true words of God. I'm going to trust the Lord that he's going to know exactly where I'm supposed to be, with whom I'm exactly supposed to be with. And if we prepare 
Holy Spirit will tell us, don't get on that plane. Don't go there. Don't go to work today. Enter into your ark now. He could tell us that. Why not? If I'm not depending on that, the only problem with that is do I know his voice? Does the Holy Spirit talk to me? Does he unction me? Does he function me? Am I a member of the body of Christ or not? He's in control or am I? Am I listening to my mind, my, my reasoning, my logic? Or am I listening to the Holy Spirit? I want to listen to the Holy Spirit. I want to have peace with my decisions that I make. And I want to find God's favor and blessing in what I do. I want to live an abundant life. I want to live for God. I want to live for Jesus Christ. I want the Holy Spirit to take total control. Period. But I want to prepare for what he's telling me. Why would the Lord tell them if they weren't to prepare? And there's a lot more instruction to go. And that's it. That's where I'm going to have to leave it for today. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. Thanks for spending time with me on the air. I just want to real quick, I want to go through some of the chats that are out there right now. Some of the friends and just say hello to David Ellison was good morning, 12 below zero in Missouri, not with windshield. Dave, I'm so sorry to hear that. I hope you're feeling warm and you guys stay safe. I truly do. Uh, my friend Mark says foggy in Mexico. Here comes the bet. Okay. Foggy in Mexico. Mark, I don't know, man. We got to talk. Uh, how about Kathy Bruns? Good morning. 26 below, not wind chill. Throw another log on the fire. Fixing up some bacon and some beans. We will survive. God bless. God bless you, Kathy and Ken. That's a whole lot of cold weather. 26 below zero. Kevin Hauger says, good morning, Pastor V and all followers of New Wine Ministry. If you haven't subscribed, please click on the subscribe button on the lower right corner. Also, ring the bell to receive notices. Hey, would you subscribe to this channel? That'd be awesome to do. Appreciate it. Uh, Sarah says, I hear you. Praise God. Phil Buswell. Hello, Sarah from San Diego. You're warmer than most people in the country. Phil says, loud and clear. Chuck Eastridge, yes, it's cold. Kevin says, our temperature here this morning was negative 21. Our inside temp is set to 73, but because of the wind, we are getting up to 68. Ah, there, I think there's a control mechanism to only get you to 68. That happened in Dallas. Patricia, there's the answer. 68 degrees is what you're going to get. Wow, have a fire. All right, so uh, Mark says, I had one month of 40 below at my cabin in Colorado in 2012 at 8,268 feet. Fort Garland. Now I'm in Mexico, LOL. 40 below. I remember when you were there, Mark. Never, and I think you were a grizzly bear. Hallelujah. All right. Sean says, we are here. Hello, Sean. All right. So Laquita is with us today. Good morning. Uh, again, Phil Buswell says you are loud and clear. Thank you. Wendy, good morning from Ontario, Canada. What's the weather like in Ontario, Canada? I would like to know. Uh, uh, Mark says, peace be still to everything coming. Yes, amen to that. Uh, harp too. And then he who makes the weather controls the weather. And that would be harp. I got it, guys. Well, well done. Uh, Mark has given us a scripture, Job 28. When he imparts weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure, he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt. 47 verses about God and weather. Hmm. 
Doesn't it just say that there's treasure in the snow? <whistles> treasure in the snow. All right, Callie Reynolds, good morning. Kevin Alger, again, good morning. Chuck Eastridge, good morning. They're turning it on us. Okay, Kenneth Brun says, when your day isn't going like you want it to, smile and be happy. God is in control. Amen. We need to learn to do that. Sharon Evans says, good morning. Good morning to you. Again, Cindy is with us today. Miss Cindy Messman, good morning. Uh, and Sarah says, Cindy, good morning. Sarah says, honestly, I think God is working on me with regards to making me stronger against rejection from others. I've had friends of 14 years and even family cancel me because of my faith in God, standing up against what's been going on and speaking truth. Jesus did say this would happen. So I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but it still hurts. Yes, it does. It's one of the prices we pay. But ultimately, if you pray and trust the Lord, he'll take care of your family and you'll move on and become a matriarch, a leader in the family. Keith Carey says, and I say that honestly, Keith Carey says, good morning, Pastor Vincent and Kevin and Kenneth. Amen. It's going to change. Win one more for Jesus. And know our Heavenly Father watches over us, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. Win a soul is what he's saying. Mark says, Vespasian and Titus burned the temple, melting the gold. They tore the temple down to recover the melted gold. Aha. Very good. It was floored and wainscoted with cedar of Lebanon, and its walls and floor were overlaid with gold, mounting to 600 talents of roughly 20 metric tons. I guess they did want the gold. It's always about the money, isn't it, Mark? Wow. A house divided cannot stand. 30,000 different protests and church denominations. Think about that. Yeah. How does a church stand when there's 30,000 cracks in the wall? I get it. Cindy says, Sarah, stand strong in your faith. Yes, it's sad that family and friends will act this way. Keep your faith, sweet sister. That's a godly, godly exhortation. Kevin says, the people of Nazareth that knew Jesus rejected him. We are not to be concerned of those who come against us, but those who are searching, looking, wanting to know Jesus. Many that we know will not make it when Jesus comes back. Woe to them. Yep, true word, Kevin. Very good. Very good. All right. Kevin also says, if you haven't subscribed, please click. Okay, there it is. Sarah Sarah Anchorman is giving us a uh, YouTube place to go, so make sure you got that down. Copy and paste it. Uh, I sure want to do the same thing. I'd like to write that down. Sarah, maybe you could text it to me. Uh, Cindy, clearly Messman, thanks you. Sweet sister, I'm really trying. Okay, so they've got some good talk going on. Kevin says, in America, the banks are trying to get big business to issue debit cards for your paycheck. Unless you bank with what bank? With that bank, you can not get cash. If you want cash, you have to pay them 3 to 5% to get a limited amount of cash. Wow. Absolutely amazing. All right. Using digital currency allows the government companies to track you. I recommend that everyone use cash so you are not tracked as long as you can. It's probably a great idea. Uh, it's coming quickly. Kathy Brun says your message agrees with what it says in Psalms 18.7. says that the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. All right. I see Janet. Preach it, Pastor. Trying our best. Pastor Patricia is amazing woman of God, says Cindy. We agree with that for sure. Good morning, Mark Martinez. Uh, Kevin, nothing out here. So Wendy says, thank you, Pastor and Watchmen. We are definitely in the end of the age. Put on the full armor of God. Share the gospel. Abide in Jesus. Trust the Lord with all our hearts. 
God bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Shirley Woolsey's out there today. She wasn't able to hear something. Uh, Sarah mentioned she loved Joel. Uh, Joel's a great guy, no doubt about it. Um, amen. I believe, Sarah says, the pre-trib rapture will cause many to fall away because they will not be prepared mentally, spiritually, physically prepared. They are so prepared to escape that they aren't prepared to endure like the Bible tells us to. You're right on about that. Uh, Kevin Hauger goes on. I've heard preachers tell their congregation to follow them to the end. We're to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen to that. Praise the Lord. I've uh, Kevin went on to say, or no, Sarah says, does anyone have any podcast they recommend that stand with the post-trib view? Doug, uh, I, I hope you got some answers to that, Sarah. Doug Alley, good morning. Matthew 24, 29. I'm going to pick that up tomorrow, Doug. Way to go. Uh, Mark, etymology of the word rapture is rape, seized, carried off, and raped. Look it up. I think you're right in the Latin, isn't it? Rapture. That's so sad. Carla, we are so thankful for heat. Yahoo! Thank you, Jesus, and New Wine Ministry. <laughs> I'm so glad you have heat. I'm so glad to hear that. And finally, uh, Randolph says, as he that takes away a garment in cold weather and as vinegar upon nighter, so is he that sings songs to a heavy heart. Yeah. Randolph, cool word. And remember, the song of the Lord is learned by the overcomers. Keep that song. Learn the song of the overcomers, everybody. That's it for us today. We've done what we could do. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Pastor Vince over and out. Shalom.